Heavenly Father, Lord, we've gathered together today, Lord, because there's a desire in our heart to worship you, Lord. There's a desire in our heart to hear today, Lord, from the presence of Almighty God. Lord, we are believers, and that's why we have gathered, Lord. Lord, we believe in your word where it says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am in their midst, Lord. Lord, so we know and we recognize today, Father, that you are here with us. Lord, may we not be like those, Lord, that would put Jesus in the corner this morning with dirty feet. But, Lord, like the woman who came and poured out the bottle upon his feet of perfume and began to wash his feet with her hair. Because, Lord, you had done so much for her. Oh, Lord Jesus, there's a people gathered here today that recognizes, Lord, you've done so much for us. Lord, you have healed our sick. You've saved our lost. You've delivered the bound. And we are here today to pour out our praise, Father. Lord, we long to worship you. We long to be in your presence. Lord, I ask that not one person would miss it. I ask that we would recognize today, Lord God, where we're standing, who we are, who you are, Lord, in our relationship to you, Father. Lord, we love you with all of our heart. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done in our midst. And we look forward to what you're going to do right now today in this service, Father. Lord, for we know you never fail to show up where you're invited. We love you, Lord, and as we turn our attention now to the word, I pray you'll bless the reading of the word. Lord, I pray you'll anoint my lips and remove my thoughts and, my, my, and anything I would want to say and take it out the way, Lord God, and you speak today. You use this vessel, Father, I pray. Lord, and anoint the people to hear. Lord, I'm asking you to take complete control now, take complete preeminence, and may something be said, Lord, to bless your people. Lord, I recognize the magnitude of this moment as I stand before the purchase of your blood. These are your people, Father, and I pray you speak now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of God this morning? Wonderful to be in his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I ask that you'll turn with me to the book of Matthew, the 13th chapter. We'll read from there, and then we'll take our seats, and we have a few other places we'd like to read from. Brother EJ, good to see you in the house of God this morning after your surgery. I'm glad the Lord brought you through that. God bless you. Wonderful to see you here this morning. We're going to read here from Matthew 13, 53. I'd like to speak to you today on recognizing your opportunity in his presence. Recognizing your opportunity in his presence. Matthew 13, 53 says, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished. And he said, Whence, and, and they were astonished, and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this, is not his mother called Mary, and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then? Hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. You may have your seats this morning. As you're taking your seat, if you'll turn also to Mark 10. We're going to read a couple more scriptures before we get started. Mark 10 in the 46th verse. It says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great 
number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that she, he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. And finally, we're going to look over in Luke, the 23rd chapter, and the 39th verse. Luke 23 and 39. It's a very familiar story to us there at the crucifixion. And it says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. As you read the Bible, you find many times, many characters, it's, it's a contradiction of different ones. You have those that recognize their need of God, and they recognize God, and they receive what they have need of. And then there's many characters in the Bible that do not recognize their need of God. They do not recognize when He moves, and therefore they are passed by, and they, do not recognize, they don't receive what it is that they need. And these three scriptures that we just read, three seemingly unrelated scriptures from three different books of the Bible... But the way these tie together for the sake of our message today is that in all three, we see opportunities. We see people with opportunities in God's presence. There in Matthew, we see them absolutely astounded, not only at his teaching, but also at the mighty works. I mean, they're astounded by it. They love what he's saying. They love the works that they're, that, that, that they're witnessing. And yet in one verse, they go from astounded to doubt. In one verse, they go to doubt because they begin to focus on why this couldn't be God. They begin to focus on, well, if this was God, it would be this way. And if it was God, it would be this way. And the way I was taught, in the way I believe it'll come, surely this can't be from God. And they begin to focus on that, and their astonishment instantly turns into doubt. Listen, if you want to overlook God in a service, if you want to find fault with the ministry or find fault with your brothers and sisters, it's very easy to do. Just turn your attention away from what you're witnessing and what you're hearing and all the things God's doing, and you'll see the negative. The negative's there if you want to find it. And that's what they began to do. They began to turn away and try to see why this can't be from God. And because they couldn't recognize who he was, and he couldn't recognize um, um, who he was. They were unable to believe, even though they heard the works, even though they, they saw the works and heard the teachings, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't receive it. And because of that, he couldn't do many mighty things in their midst. 
Church, may that never be the testimony of Evening Light Tabernacle that he couldn't do many works in our midst. But when we see him moving, may we recognize it. May we grab hold to it. May we say, Lord, I have need of thee today. I have need of you in this moment right now. In Mark, we find a desperate blind man. We know him as blind Bartimaeus. And he recognizes his opportunity. It, it always astounds me that to say it, a blind man recognized his opportunity. He didn't see the miracles. He wasn't in the services. He didn't know the testimonies, but he'd been taught right. He'd been raised right by a mama that told him that there was a coming Savior. And he didn't see anything, but he had faith and he had heard the word and he believed. And in that moment, because of his faith, he was made whole. Because he recognized something that he couldn't even see. Church, we're without excuse. How many miracles have we seen in this place? How many times has God come and done the supernatural in front of us, and yet a blind man recognized his opportunity? A blind man who saw nothing said, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And yet we've seen and we've heard. We can't let him pass through this building without crying out to him this morning. And finally in Luke, we come to a well-known story of the thieves hanging on the cross next to Jesus. Both at the end of their road, both wretched, miserable people, and both with the exact same opportunity. Notice both are in the presence of Jesus, and both are given the opportunity to be a part of the last conversation Jesus will ever have as a man before he dies. What an opportunity. The last conversation that our Lord Jesus Christ is ever going to have and one recognizes what an opportunity this is. What a moment this is. And he recognizes his need. And he recognizes, and here's the key, the one that can provide for my need is here right now in this moment next to me. Listen, your opportunity may not arrive in the most ideal of circumstances. Your, ideal may, your, your opportunity may not arrive sitting just in a church pew. It may not be on the best day of the week. It may not be when everything's going right. It may be when your life is turned upside down. It may be things are going wrong every which way and your family torn apart. But when he comes, you've got to recognize this is my moment. This is my opportunity. This is my Savior. He can provide what I have need of. Maybe both of them were raised in good homes. Maybe both of them grew up new in the prophecies. Maybe they both had known Isaiah 9, 6. And yet in their moment, one was conscious of his need. And he recognized whose presence he was in. And he died and he went to paradise. And one was unconscious of whose presence he was in. And he died and went to hell. One thing I want us to recognize today is a lack of recognition doesn't mean it wasn't your opportunity. Just because you failed to grab it doesn't mean he didn't come by your way. Just because you didn't seize the opportunity doesn't mean opportunity wasn't given. Do not fail to see your opportunity. Do not fail to recognize him when he moves past us. We must be a God-conscious people. Time after time, Brother Brown would talk about recognize his presence. He would speak about being aware of his presence. He would tell people, you must be God conscious. There are over a, uh, over a thousand quotes dealing with aware, conscious, recognizing, and the importance of not missing opportunities in his presence. He would say, may every sick person in here be healed tonight. 
Grant it, Lord. May there be such a scream go up, Lord, until tomorrow that the city will be awakened with great testimonies everywhere and men may come conscious of God and get away from this earthbound sense, move out into the realms of the supernatural and believe the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed Father, we are indeed privileged tonight to be here in this great city of South Bend. And a greater privilege than that is to be assembled with these great people tonight, the purchase of thy blood. And we would ask you to visit us with a great visitation of thy presence and make us all God conscious tonight that you are ever near. Make us all God conscious this morning, Lord, that you are ever near, that you are with us in this service. You'll be with us when we leave. You'll be with us in our homes. The angels of the Lord encamp about those that fear him. Lord, we are conscious of your presence this morning. That's exactly what Satan doesn't want to happen. That's why he brings circumstance. That's why he clogs the channel. That's why he moves and brings disturbances. That's exactly what he can't have you recognize that whatever you find yourself in today, whatever your situation is, God is right there with you in that moment. He is with you in that situation. He hasn't left your side. He's ever near. He's the ever-present help in the time of need. So what he don't want you to recognize is that your victory is standing right next to you this morning. Your moment of deliverance is right next to you this morning. He's not a thousand miles away. He's in your pew. He's next to you. He's walking up and down this aisle. Victory is in the building this morning. Satan wars against you to try to make you miss that opportunity. Look, our battle is to be conscious of God in a world that has put him completely out of their minds. To be conscious of God in a world that has put him completely out of their thinking, completely out of their consciousness. And if he is brought into their thinking, he's looked at with disdain. He's looked at with contempt. His teaching, uh, the Bible, his word is looked at with disdain and contempt. You are looked at with disdain and contempt because you have some semblance of morals. You have something that matches up with the word of God. There's goodness and there's righteousness and they hate it because your life condemns their life. Your life cries out against the life they're living. Your life speaks of better things and they can't take it because the darkness comprehendeth it not. So you're looked at with contempt. The word is looked at with contempt. And they don't even acknowledge his existence, much less his presence currently working. And to those that, and to those that do say they believe, it's more of a perspective of an I was God instead of an I am God. We live in an ever-increasing anti-God society. It does all it, can, all it can to influence you to make you unaware of the presence of Almighty God, to make you miss your opportunities. These, these statistics here I found pretty amazing. In 1999, which doesn't seem that long ago to me, I was a senior in high school. A lot of you were not born. A lot of you were already old. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. 1999, 70% of Americans were church members. I looked at that number and I went, wow, it was a good place in 1999. I mean, it's just kind of how it made me feel. Really? Seven out of ten people in this country went to church. 2020, 50% are church members. That includes everybody. 
Catholics, Baptists, Pentecost, Methodist, assemblies, non-denomination, you name it, anybody that claims Christianity, 50% of Americans are church members. Here's the bad part. 41% of that 50 actually go to church on a regular basis. We are in an anti-God, godless society that has put him out of their minds, has put him out of their consciousness. He, they have pushed him so far away they can't even recognize him when he moves. They can't recognize the presence of God. They don't recognize the goodness of God. But you have to recognize you have to be aware. You can't miss your opportunity. We can't keep looking at what are they doing, what are they doing, what are they doing. Their calling is not my business. My calling is to take a rapture. My calling is to serve God. My calling is to overcome. My calling is to be victorious. So I'm going to look at me and I'm going to say, as for me and my house in this godless society, in this godless civilization, we will serve the Lord. We will walk according to his statutes. We will walk according to his word. As for me and my house, as for Evening Light Tabernacle, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Prophet says, you know, it used to be if a woman or man said they was a Christian, people respected it. But today they just like to see how much fun they can make out of it. See, this irreverent group, my, why? Why do they do that? This is the reason. They're not conscious that that's the truth. They're not conscious of God. Oh, what a dark picture. What an evil world that we live in. But let me tell you something, church. Somebody's going to recognize him. Somebody's going to overcome. Somebody's going to wash his feet. Somebody's going to say, that's my Lord. That's my Savior. That's the Holy Ghost moving in our midst. That's my deliverer. That's the one I have need of. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me this morning. Somebody's going to call out in spite of it all. Because, church, he's not just coming back for, for a bunch of people that claim I'm a Christian. He's not just coming back for some people that, that go to church every now and again or some people that claim the message. He's coming back for people that love his appearing. He's coming back for people who love him and recognize him and worship him. He is their all in all. He is their everything. That's who he's coming back for. I say, Lord, let me be one of those. Light the fire in my heart. May I always be aware. May I always be conscious. May I always be looking for your presence. This bride will be in tune with the presence of God because they love him. They seek daily to live in his presence. They recognize him in all their blessings, in all good things. They recognize this is God. This is God's hand upon my life. They are conscious of him moving in their services. They honor him and cry out to him when he passes by. His presence is heaven to them. His presence is everything to them. And like Moses said there in Exodus 33, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Lord, I can't face today without your presence. I can't face tomorrow without your presence. I can't face the next day without your presence. So today, Lord, I'm looking for it. Today, I'm looking for my opportunity. I'm going to grab hold because I know you're going to go before me. I know you're going to drive out the enemy. I know you're going to bring me victory. I must have you in my life every moment, every day, every hour. I must have you. Well, he's here. He's here. Not just in this age, not just in this world. He's in this building today. He's here to rescue you. He's here to save you. He's here to deliver you. But you got to recognize it. 
It can't just be, oh, look, sister's getting a blessing. Oh, look, brother's getting a blessing. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Hallelujah, that's great. We should enter in when others get a blessing. But every service is your opportunity. Every service is your moment. Every service, you should be desperate. God, I have need of you now. This bride will be God conscious. Conscious means aware of. Now, here's the part that gets a lot of us. Aware of and responding to. And conscious means aware of and responding to. Listen, you can have your eyes wide open and not be conscious. You can seemingly be awake and not be conscious. There must be a responding to. When the Holy Spirit sweeps across the place and the place erupts and you sit there and look around like what's going on, it's because you're not conscious. It's because you're not aware of what's happening. You're not aware of who's in the building. Surely we believe the scripture where two or three are gathered. There I am in the midst. If we really believe that scripture, how do we act the way we act in church? If we really believe the King of Kings is right here, right now, there should be a cry that goes forth from our heart. There should be a worship, a praise, a repentance, a crying out. He's here. He's here right now. He's here, but sometimes it takes a blind man to recognize him. Church, you've seen, you've heard, and you know he's here. He deserves all you have. Oh, he said the rocks would cry out. Some of us think they need to rewrite that to say, if I don't do my part, the rocks will nod. The reason people nod is because we, sometimes we can't tell the difference if, if you're agreeing or falling asleep. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're with me or if you're dreaming. Can't tell. Conscious, aware of, and responding to one's surroundings. Painfully aware of. Means you can't sit still. You can't hardly stand it. The spirit's moving and it's almost painful to sit still. It's painful to stay in your seat. And you see people that are painfully aware because they sit there and all of a sudden they can't take it no more and they erupt. Out of the seat they come. Out of the seat they come praising because they're painfully aware. They're sensitive to. They're conscious of. They're responding to his presence. Before the fall of man, being conscious of God was not difficult. Adam had never experienced doubt. He had never experienced fear. He had never experienced unbelief. The things that we fight with today that blinds us to that realm, the things that makes it difficult for us to recognize his presence, he wasn't familiar with these. He didn't even know of their existence. It's after the fall in Genesis 3.10 that the word afraid is first used. Genesis 3.10, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. If the voice of God booms forth in a church service and the response to it or the voice itself brings fear, you can place yourself right there because there's something wrong and you're hiding yourself from it. There's no freedom and you're scared of it. You're scared to move in it because there's something not right. So you hide yourself from his presence. <clears throat> right in that moment, Satan recognizes his weapon to keep people from being blessed in his presence. Fear. He saw that fear would keep you from running to him 
and it would cause you to run from him. And it would cause you to hide from the very one who could deliver you. The phrase fear not is used at least 80 times in the Bible. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. It's because the Lord, knowing what the enemy would do, knowing how he would attack you, knowing how he would pull upon you, because he knows Satan uses fear to make you miss your opportunities. Satan uses fear to limit your victories. Satan uses fear to keep you from receiving everything in a service or everything during the week or everything out of life, even in your personal prayer time. He uses fear to keep you from being all that you are called to be. Fear. Well, I'm not afraid. Sure, a lot of us are. We may not even recognize it as fear, not that we're sitting there trembling in fear. But we're afraid he won't forgive us. We're afraid he won't heal us. You're afraid maybe I've crossed the line. You're afraid maybe I've gone too far. You're afraid to let go and worship. You're afraid maybe of what people will think. And listen, for some people, maybe it's just passing thoughts and it was not even a hindrance. But for some people, fear is crippling. For some people, it grabs a hold of them and it brings them down. And it's nothing more this morning. I want you to recognize it's nothing more than a bluff. Fear is nothing more. That's why bullies use fear. They don't want to fight nobody either, so they use fear, and they bluff them, and they bluff them, and I'm going to do this to you, and I'm going to hit you in the eye, and I'm going to take this from you, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. But if you ever want, look, I'm a middle school teacher. I've seen it too many times where that little kid just gets tired of it, and the bully's twisting his arm, twisting his arm, and he gets tired of it, and bam, and it's over. The bully's done. Nobody fears him anymore because they see he was a bluff all along. He didn't want to fight. It's time some of us get tired of it this morning. You won't twist my arm anymore. You won't hold me hostage anymore. But today, bam, I'm going to put one on because I'm not afraid of you. Your fear is nothing but a bluff. It's nothing but a bluff, and he can't hold you. It's time those of you that have dealt with fear, whether you call it fear or panic attacks or anxiety or whatever you want to call it, it's time you look that thing in the eye and say, yeah, I'm not afraid of you. You can't hold me. You can't stop me. The prison door's open, and I'm walking out, and I will not fear. Fear is broken. Fear is broken. He can't hold you any longer. We give it so many fancy names, it's an anxiety. It's, it, no, it's a devil. It's a devil, and it's subject to the word of the Lord. It's subject to your word. If you take his word upon your lips, it's subject. Take control of that. I am no longer a slave to fear. I've recognized my opportunity. Oh, Brother Aaron, what about, what about people that are fearful talk like that? What about? What about the trials I'm going to face? What about when this happens to my family? What about? And the whole time you're walking right back towards that jail cell. And you walk into it, and you shut the door. He got me. He didn't get you. You walk back. What about? What about when my family has trials? What about? What? Let me tell you how that's all going to turn out. What about when trials come? What about when the waters rise? What about when the fire comes? He'll raise a standard. There'll be a fourth man. His word declares you have nothing to fear. What about? Here's how it turns out. Isaiah 43 and 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee. He's talking to you. Oh, Jacob, and he that formed thee, oh, Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. Thou 
art mine. When thou passest through the waters, what about the waters? I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. What is there to fear? He said, thou art mine. And he said, I won't lose a one. I need to start over from the beginning. How long is it? <laughs> nope. You have nothing to fear. The fire will not kindle upon me. Listen, they didn't even get a little bit damp when they crossed the Red Sea. They walked across on dry land. So you're not just going to get through this trial. You're going to walk as if it's just the most perfect road. It's going to be paved with perfection. You're not even going to get your feet muddy. You're walking through on dry land because when he does something, he does it right. When God moves, he moves. When God says it's your time, it's your time. Now the only thing that can hinder it is if you let something steal your opportunity. If you'll take your eyes off the wind and take your eyes off the waves and get your eyes up on Jesus and say, Lord, I perish. Save me. I can guarantee you right now he will reach down through hell. He will reach down through sickness. He will reach down through tormenting spirits. He will reach down through every everything you can think of, and he will pull you from those waters. He will pull you from those waters. Recognize who he is this morning. We are a people who have recognized his presence. A message came and made us God conscious. And his presence doesn't cause us to hide. His presence brings us victory. Before Adam fell, the voice of God was a daily occurrence to man. His presence was expected every day as he would come and walk in the garden. He would fellowship with his children. He says, now in the beginning when God come down in the evening and talked to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, and his great voice whispered to them, and they had fellowship. Oh, they loved one another. How the moving of the Spirit went through the bushes. The lions would come up. The tigers, all of them. And they worshiped the Lord. Man was conscious at all times that his presence was with him. But the fall separated man from that consciousness. Now bear with me as I go through this next part says, now God, when he made man in the beginning, he made him superior to anything on earth. He gave him the jurisdiction of everything on earth to control everything. He controlled the animal life. He controlled the fowl life, the fishes of the sea. He controlled the winds. He controlled the plant life. He controlled everything. That was Adam. He could speak to the trees and they would obey him. He could speak to the wildlife. It would obey him. He could speak to the waters, ever what it was. Everything obeyed Adam. Now that was the beginning of man. That's what God gave him power over, everything on the earth. Now though the fall, through the fall, he lost that power. Then he become unconscious of the fact. After losing his relationship and friendship and fellowship with the Father, then he lost that. And all of these great channels become clogged up. And he couldn't get through. Now what Adam was in God, Christ has redeemed us back to that. Now a redeemer, to redeem anything is to bring it back to its origin again.
Now when man fell, he lost this. And now what he lost in the fall, Christ come as a redeemer. Did you ever stop to think what Christ redeemed us for? He gave us everlasting life. He brought us back to the eternal fellowship and relationship to God, to be his sons and daughters again, to restore back all that Adam lost in the fall. Now the thing of it is, since he was restored man back to his place, man in the fall has lost his conscience of what Father put him here on earth to do. In other words, all the plumbing as it was in our brain, in the outlets, the faith has been clogged up with business affairs, with home life, with domestic things. It's all become so clogged. Clogged up with that until God can't operate through those channels that he made man for. Now when God made the human body, every little part had its place to play. The teeth, the tongue, the eyes, the nose. God does everything in there to make it perfect in operation to make the man to live. And if God so patterned the man, the body of a man, how much more has he patterned and set in order the body of his church? And he's designed us to come together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now here we go, listen. And have these supernatural workings of God, outlets through gifts of the Spirit, such as prophecy and wisdom and knowledge and gifts of healing and all these other different gifts is outlets that God lets out his power and lets out his revelation to the people. Now Satan, by the laws of sin and death, makes everything that sin and death bought operate and so Satan sends a cancer, and man recognizes it. Satan sends a cancer, and man recognizes it and receives it. Satan sends heartaches. We recognize it and receive it. And if Satan, by his power, can make his laws work in man, how much more ought God, with his power, make his laws work in man? If Satan can make his laws be sure and us recognize it, if Satan can make you recognize his laws... How much more ought God to his children make his laws be recognized among us? He'd be recognized among the people, divine healing, revelation, power, gifts, manifestations of the Spirit. The law of sin and death works in the people, and the law of liberty of Christ has come unto us to set us free from those things. So I believe with all my heart, I believe we're nearing the age when people are going to recognize these things. We live in a world that recognizes Satan. We live in a world that recognizes evil. It recognizes heartache. It recognizes cancer. It recognizes everything the devil can put on and it brings fear upon people's life. But what about what God said? What about recognizing his promise? What about recognizing his power? Recognizing his authority? Recognizing your ability to speak and take God at his word and be victorious over every law of Satan, over every law of death? You have that authority, but you got to recognize it. That's always been the battle since the fall. And that has been man's failure. Recognizing what God did. Pointing to what he's going to do. And failing to see where he's moving at right now. Failing to see how he's operating right now in our midst. Failing to recognize that he's an ever-present, on-time God. Who's working right now. The first age, the first age didn't fail to recognize it. The first age, fresh off the outpouring at the day of Pentecost, experienced a great awakening of the supernatural. Men and women had supernatural experiences. They were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Miracles were a common thing. The supernatural actually became very natural to them. It became what they expected. The miraculous is how they lived. 
The miraculous is what they saw. And so when something moved, they didn't miss it because they were in tune in it. The problem is so many of us live outside the spirit and presence of God that we can't recognize the presence of God when it comes our way. What's that? Well, I don't know. You should have recognized it yesterday in your home too. We've gotten so far away from it, but that first age, they were easy to recognize because miracles were a common thing. Supernatural was natural. Seeing God move is what they expected because the kinsman redeemer had come and closed that chasm back between God and man. The kinsman redeemer had come and paid the price and hit everything Adam lost, he had redeemed back to man and that chasm had been closed. But once again, Satan would try to steal these things away down through the ages by burying them behind creeds, burying them behind dogmas, burying them behind church denominations and you got to be a part of this and you got to be a part of that and in the name of religion the power of God was stripped away from the people in the name of religion it was stripped away and taken away and once again you saw a church go into a deep dark slumber you saw a church go to sleep unaware of the supernatural moving of God unconscious of what he was capable to do but let me tell you something you may be unconscious this morning but this is a determined God he's not going to leave you unconscious he's not going to leave you sitting where you're sitting he's coming by your way this morning and he's telling you wake up wake up I'm here wake up I'm moving he's not going to leave that prodigal out there asleep but the angel of the Lord's shaking him right now in the pool in the pig pen saying wake up it's time to go home wake up he's not going to leave you unconscious he's a determined God he will have a bride he will have a people who recognize him. He's not going to have a people just come strolling in. We will be victorious over every sin, victorious over every spirit. We will go in victorious because he is determined you will. He's not going to let you slumber. He's not going to let you sleep. He's saying, wake up, evening like tabernacle. Wake up, little bride. The bridegroom cometh. Wake up. Wake up. It's time to arise from your slumber. You can't stay asleep. You can't sit on the pew sleeping. You can't sleep through everyday life and not recognize my God is here. And he's here for me. He's determined. And so once again, he began to stir a sleeping church. Luther in the age of Reformation. Wesley in the Philadelphia age. And we know that Wesley was a key figure in the movement of the 1730s and 40s, known in the 13 colonies as the Great Awakening. Down through the early years of colonial America, you had the first and you had the second Great Awakening. And what this was was fervency for the things of God once again burned in man's conscience. Where secularism had come and the world had strayed away, now once again there was a renewed fervency. People began to look back to God, began to seek God once again. It was, a, it was an awakening. Then move forward into this day in the early 1900s, you had the Azusa Street, and people once again became aware of the gifts of the Spirit, the moving of the presence of God. And then an angel visits a prophet. He goes forth with a gift of divine healing. A great message is delivered in the coming years of ministry, and a bride begins to waken out of her slumber. There begins to become a people waking up and realizing, I ain't part of this world. I ain't a part of this burning. I'm not a part of this system. There's something that has called me out. Come out of her. Come out of her. And it begins to ring in the hearts of individuals. And he's not dealing with this specific denomination or this specific that. Hey, there's wonderful people there. But what we got to remember is God deals with individuals. He doesn't deal with churches. Let me tell you right now, you can look at it how you want. I don't look at it that God is dealing with Evening Light Tabernacle this morning. I look at it like he's dealing with you, and 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 dealing with you. Because he's not taking Evening Light Tabernacle in a rapture. He's taking you in a rapture. 
He's taking you in a rapture. He's taking individuals in a rapture. So he deals with people individually. And this message came and it began to awaken people's hearts to the reality of God. And a bride began to rise out of slumber. The church has slumbered for ages in different movements and brought different types of awakenings. But this was an awakening greater than any other. As a bride began to be called out and made aware of the presence of her bridegroom. Awakening. Awakening means the act of awakening from sleep, a revival of interest or attention, a recognition, a realization, or a coming into an awareness of something. The bride was called to awake and to rise out of the slumber of dark denominationalism. Prophet would say, now a few years ago when I started, there was none of that going on. And the only thing that this has done and this supernatural has awakened ministers out of the sense-bound realm into a place where they can see God is present. But the problem was, even though there was nothing wrong with the message, there was nothing wrong with the movement, there was nothing wrong with any of that, but so many people failed to realize who it was that was really here. So many people failed to realize who it was that was being revealed. They failed to realize who it was that had come to bring a message. Listen, it was the mighty angel. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the pillar of fire that led Israel. It was the pillar of fire that met Paul. That's who came to reveal this. But so, so many people failed to recognize this. They failed to recognize his presence. Oh, they, they recognized the prophet. Even the nominal world would declare in their magazines, Bible days are here again. Bible days, not since the days of Jesus have things, but they recognized the prophet. But they didn't recognize who was being revealed. Who was the prophet pointing to? This wasn't about a man. This isn't man worship. He was pointing to something. He was pointing to someone. He was trying to wake you up to the fact Jesus Christ is here. Jesus is here. Who is it healing your children? Who is it delivering you? Who is it saving you? Who is it you must have? It's Jesus. Jesus is here. He's the one moving. Recognize. Recognize this morning. He was pointing to Jesus. But then the prophet's taken off the scene, and many believe those things were finished. I don't mean to be rude, but wrong. Wrong. The message was to show that when he's present, he, Jesus Christ, you can take the word, and you can put it on your lips, and you can speak. And it's the same as deity speaking. If you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you say, you say, you say, you don't need your favorite preacher up here. All right? Otherwise, we'd all be in trouble this morning. You need Jesus. That's who's here. That's who's speaking. Recognize it's him. Take the word on your lips and stand to what the message was trying to get you to recognize who you are and your relationship to the one who is present now. So the prophets taken off the scene, they believe all that was finished. And they weren't conscious that William Branham never once pointed to himself. He pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you this morning that Jesus Christ is here in this building. He promised he would be. I don't feel it, Brother Aaron. I, I'm not worried about that. The Word said he would be here. The Word said he would be here. And so I'm telling you this morning that he is here and we must be God conscious we must be aware that he is in our midst. We must recognize our opportunities. We must act while we have the chance. We must seize the moment. We must seize the day. But many are slumbering in this time where man says God has de delayed his coming. 
Many say God has delayed his coming. And so they are slumbering once again. They're slumbering. And yet he is passing by this moment. And yet you must be aware and you must wake up. His presence passing by. Listen, you don't receive your blessing just by him passing by. Stop for a minute. You do not receive a blessing just because he comes into this building, just because he comes into your car, just because he comes into your home. Look, he's passed by many that received nothing. He's passed by many that turned him down. He's passed by many that never recognized him. You must recognize his presence and grab hold. You must recognize you're in the presence of the King of Kings. I hear a prophet discerning sicknesses, and I hear him discerning people's hearts, and then I hear him calling and telling a person her name, her address, where he goes. He says, oh, God, she's going to miss it. Oh, God, she's missing it. Don't let her miss it. And then he turns to someone. He says, she missed it, but you got it. It was her opportunity. In his presence, it passed by. The angel of the Lord passed by, and she didn't recognize he can call our name sometimes and we don't recognize. Amen. Call our name. Tell you your problem. It's discerned right from the pulpit the preacher's preaching. You're going, how's he know that? Like, who told him? Who told him about that? Does anybody need to tell our God? Why do we come to church if we're not expecting the supernatural? If we're not expecting him to move? Why are you here? You could have gathered together anywhere and read the Bible and sang a song. Why do we gather together? What is it we're looking for? Him to move. Him to speak. And if you're constantly putting everything off that happens as something else or some coincidence, you miss him moving and you miss your opportunity. It's not just him moving. You've got to recognize it. You've got to grab it. We must be aware today. We have to be conscious. We have to wake up. You're saying that a lot, brother, and I'm going to keep saying it a lot. That's what this is about today. Wake up. Recognize your opportunity. Wake up. He's in the building. Wake up. He's here in the last age. Wake up. The bride's fisting to take a rapture. Wake up. You don't want to miss it. Don't be found without oil in your lap. Don't be found without oil in your lap. Wake up. Now's the time to get it. Now's the time to get it. Now's the time to get it. Look, the sleeping virgins knew they needed oil. They recognized that, but they waited too late to get it. They said, today is the day to go get it. And while they were gone, he came and they were left behind. Wake up to the hour. Wake up to the moment. It's going home time. Get your laps drilled. Get the oil in. Get your family sealed. Get serious about it. It's time to go home, church. We must stay in contact with the supernatural. Whether it's booming out like it did here on Wednesday night, what a wonderful time. Whether it's booming out like it was here on Wednesday night or whether it's that quiet unction of the Holy Ghost that moves on your heart at midday on a Thursday and says, call that brother, call that sister. Or moves on your heart tomorrow and you feel to go to prayer for that friend that you hadn't even spoke to in a couple weeks or months. Those things are supernatural and we fail to realize them because the world is boom, 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 rah, 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 boom, 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 loud, loud, big, 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 and we miss the small. We've lost contact with the unction. Church, we got to be in contact with that unction. Because one of these mornings you're going to wake up and there's going to be an unction that says it's time to go. It's time to go. Was that just me? Was that just my thinking? I don't want to be the one sitting around debating. I, did I just think that? Well, no, there's going to be an option that says, it's rapture day. It's going home time. And I want to be so in contact with that spirit that when he that letteth will let be taken out of the way, that I can go with him. 
when that spirit begins to rise up off the earth, I'm in contact with that supernatural and I go with it as it rises up. Maybe even recognize when it's the preacher preaching and he repeats conversations you've had in private. Or maybe he speaks directly to your heart about a sin question in your life. However he moves, however he moves, we must be a people in tune with it that recognize it and we don't let the moment pass us by unaware. I've been there. I've been there. When the Lord moves and you know you're supposed to do something and you hesitate a moment, it's gone. There's not hardly a worse feeling. He moves on you. You hesitate because you think within the flesh, should I? What? what, what, what? It's over. He's moved on. When he moves on your heart, move with it. When he moves on your heart, you go. He says dance, you dance. He says shout, you shout. He says pray for that brother, you pray for that brother. He asks you to go here, go there, you do it. Move in the unction of the Holy Spirit. But some of us have gotten so far away from it that we don't recognize it anymore. And we see others move in that unction and go, so emotional. So emotional. Somebody doesn't recognize what God did for them. And somebody does. Somebody's missing an opportunity. Somebody's receiving theirs. Don't be one sitting on the outside watching others get their opportunity. Or one day you're going to watch others get a new body. Get in touch with the supernatural. Listen, the body change is the most supernatural thing there is. I'm not so sure about the supernatural. Well, then you're not going to rapture. Because if you can tell me something more supernatural than a rapture and me getting a brand new body and this body being healthy and this body looking good or whatever you want to say, whoo, that's supernatural. If you can't recognize the supernatural, you'll never recognize a rapture. This message is supernatural. We can't continue to push every supernatural thing off and chalk it up to coincidence or somebody told him or that's just my feelings. Or that's just emotion. Listen, that's a supernatural God. He's a supernatural God who does supernatural things and moves in supernatural ways, which is beyond our comprehending. It's beyond our minds. And, and, and even more than that, it's not just that he wants us to believe the supernatural when we see it. He wants us to expect the supernatural before we see it. He wants us to come with an expectation. Listen, I loved Wednesday night. It's one of the most powerful services I've ever been in. Thank you, Jesus. But I expect to see him move on Sunday. I need him to move today. I expect salvation today. I expect healing today. I expect deliverance today. I expect to see him in this service today because he is an I am God. He is ever present for your needs. I loved Wednesday. It was phenomenal. But I say, Lord, give me a little bit more of that. Pour your spirit out on me a little more today. I need you, Lord. I need it today. I'm looking for his presence today. And even if he doesn't come the way I want him to or expect him to, that doesn't mean he didn't come. So I'm looking with an open mind. Lord, how are you going to move today? How are you going to speak today? Who are you going to pour yourself out on today? Lord, I'm willing. I'm looking. I'm able. So many people, well, I don't have any gifts. I, I don't have the gift of speaking tongues. I don't have the gift to interpret. I don't have this gift. I don't have that. How do you know? You've never once lent yourself over to him and surrendered 100% to allow him to work through you. How many gifts are hidden behind that's not my personality? How many gifts are hidden behind? That's just not in my nature. That's why we preach a nature change. 
That's why we preach a nature change. That's just not my nature. So you try and tell me that every single person that gets up and runs around this building just loves running. Because that's fun. It's people that recognize his presence. It's people that recognize his presence. Well, they may not have got, that might have been just emotional. Okay, when Jesus comes by, I get emotional. When Jesus is in the building, I get emotional. Brother Branham said, where Jesus is, there's lots of noise. Because people recognize he's in their presence. People recognize it. And I may not be perfect. I may not have everything right. But when my king walks in the door, when my Jesus walks in the door, when my God walks in the door, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to shout. I'm going to dance. I'm going to worship. I'm going to give him everything because he deserves it. He deserves it. He deserves it. Hallelujah. He deserves your praise and your worship. So give him all of it. Give him all of it. Let me tell you what, if all you can do is nod, nod with enthusiasm. Give him all of it. Let loose. Come on, church. He is here. He's in the building. His presence. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. None like you in heaven and earth. There is none like you. You are my king and my savior and my Lord, and I worship you. Oh, I, I'm reminded of what Brother Doug Baker said. He said, if you're gonna be a tear instead of a weed, at least be a biblical tear. Because tares raise their hand in worship. At least be biblical. What do we believe anyway? If you don't believe in the supernatural and you don't believe in the moving of the spirit, you don't believe this message. We must be conscious of the supernatural all the time. Sure, we love it when he comes and we can feel it. There's nothing like it. There's no feeling better than the presence of God. But what about when you don't feel it? Does that mean he ain't there? <laughs> Are you aware of it? Are you awake to it? Are you conscious of it? We got to learn to recognize him every day all around us. Recognize him in your blessings. Recognize him in this service even if you don't feel it because he said he'd be here. Live in that presence so you can recognize that presence. Prophet of God says, five senses that we live in, that's just a little world of our own. But God, we was only given these so we could contact our earthly home. But there is senses beyond that, another dimension. And God is always present. If we could only remember that the angels of the Lord are encamped about those who fear him. In this building tonight stands Jesus Christ. Woo! That's enough right there. In this building tonight stands Jesus Christ. In this building tonight is host of angels, thousands of them gathered around. You don't see them, but you can feel the influence of them telling you that they are here. Jesus Christ is here present. If we would be conscious of that and remember not only here, but when you're walking down the street, wherever you are, you that profess to be believers and fear the Lord, remember the angels of God are moving with you wherever you are. They watch everything you do. Every thought that goes through your mind, they know all about you. Therefore, we must be conscious of that. 
talking about feeling and seeing and only believing when we can see things. Brother Brown, I'm speaking here about Gehazi and Elisha, talking about being aware and being God conscious and how they were surrounded by the Assyrians. And he said, just the same tonight, I wonder what would happen if a man here tonight had the power to strike across your eyes and say, look standing around this tabernacle tonight. You'd be a member here the rest of your life. <laughs> yes, sir. Sometimes you can't see it with your natural eyes, but you can feel the impulse of it. Something near. A sixth sense that denotes something is near. Watch him this morning, opening the deaf ears, making the polio cripples walk around here like there was nothing wrong with them. What is it? It's the, it's the sixth sense that's conscious, the spirit that something is near. Now, it goes back to talking about Elisha and Gehazi. And he says, now, he didn't see that at first. I'm talking about Gehazi. Elijah probably didn't see it. But he asked for the boy's eyes to see it. But Elisha was just conscious that they were there. That prophet didn't have to see it. That prophet had experienced enough. He had been there enough. He was aware of their presence. But he knew Gehazi needed that faith lifted up. He needed his eyes to be opened so that he could believe. Prophet of God said Elisha didn't see it. He didn't need to see it. He was God conscious. He was awake to his presence. He was awake to the supernatural. He was aware that God was with them in every situation. Brother Aaron, you mean we need to believe it when we see it? Well, that's good if you do. I'd rather you not be a skeptic when you see it. Sure, believe it when you see it. But what I mean is believe he's here and respond to him when you don't see it. Respond to him when you don't feel it. Be conscious of the supernatural, conscious of his presence, aware that he's in the building, aware that he's working. But I don't see it. He's working. I don't feel it. He's working. I'm telling you today, he's working whether you see it, whether you feel it, whether you hear it. Just get ready to kill the fatted calf. The prodigals are coming home. The healings are taking place. The deliverances are happening. Prison bars are being opened. Let me tell you what. I don't feel it. It's okay. He's working. I don't see it. It's okay. I'm aware of the supernatural. I'm conscious that he's here and he's working in this building today we must be in constant expectation for the supernatural we want to be expecting his presence to sweep through like it did Wednesdays that means going to every time maybe not like that but it's going to be here and I want to expect it to be here and I want to look for it look this message made many people aware of the supernatural made many people aware of his presence but it's like they hit the snooze button. And the alarm went off. They looked at it. It's kind of conscious for a minute. They went, boop. Look, an alarm goes off to wake you up. And you're aware for a moment of what's going on and what's happening. Now, I know not everybody's the same, but I'm such a deep sleeper. But y'all go ahead and laugh. It's fine. I know this is odd. But the alarm's on my wife's side of the bed. Because if it's on my side of the bed, I'd have been fired a long time ago. Because I don't come conscious easy. I'll turn it off, I'll unplug it, and I'll wake up 9.30. Can't lie in church, so I'm just being honest. <laughs> I don't wake up easy. So my wife kicks me repeatedly. I don't, I'm not sure, but I think she finds joy in that. She, <laughs> she kicks me repeatedly until I finally say, okay, I'm up. No, you're not. You might be awake, but you ain't up. And if I quit kicking you, you're going to go right back to sleep. 
And some people, I know we all wake up a little bit different. My dad will tell you, he used to have to wake me up for school. And he'd come sit on the staircase next to my bed. And he found joy in this, I know. And he would say my name over and over and over in the most monotonous, repetitive tone. It, he didn't care if it took five minutes. He knew I was irritated. He'd sit there on the bed and go, Aaron, 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 Aaron. Until I finally, listen, why are you still preaching that same message? Why are you still preaching the Holy Ghost? Why are you still preaching supernaturals? Getting on my nerves. I don't care about your nerves. I need you to wake up. Wake up. He's here. 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 The alarm clock got one job. Wake you up. Wake up. He's here. Wake up. He's here. I'm tired of hearing it. Wake up. He's here. Wake up. Got one job. Wake him up. He's here. Oh, sure, we wake up for a little bit and we hit the snooze button, go back to sleep. Then another meeting comes or a Wednesday night comes and it stirs us and we're awake to the supernatural. But then on Thursday, back down we go. We didn't wake up. If you keep hitting snooze too often, the rapture's going to come during a snooze. Your opportunity is going to come during the snooze. Yeah, you wake up, but you're late. You wake up, but the door closed. You wake up, but you missed it because you snoozed one too many times. Why does that alarm keep going off? Why are you preaching right here? This is shallow. I've been hearing this for 20 years. Always preaching deliverance. Well, you didn't have a problem with deliverance when you was the one that needed it. And apparently you need it again. And not everybody's where you claim to be. Some people's just starting. They need it. And like I said, so do you. I bet you're one of them people that didn't like the 11th hour worker. Uh, not everybody starts at the same time. Wake up. You actually think you've gotten up. You actually think you're awake. Have you ever dreamed you got up? That's what happened with a lot of people with this message. They heard it. And, oh, they're awake. They think they're awake. But you're laying there and you think you're awake. You're going through all the motions. Like you stand there brushing your teeth. And all of a sudden the alarm goes off and you're still laying in the bed. Huh? How'd that happen? You thought you woke up. You thought you moved. But you wasn't conscious. It startled you. I'm just going to lay here a few more minutes. I'm awake. I'm good. So many thoughts they're awake and yet they're asleep. Sound asleep in their correct doctrine. Unaware of his presence. Sound asleep in their manufactured holiness. Sound asleep in their work. Sound asleep in their worship. Because they heard an alarm go off and they think they're awake. And they're totally unaware that he's moving. Not recognizing his presence right among them. The most supernatural message to ever strike the earth and it's become a religion to them. Just a religion. Just a covering. This is what I do. And in that stupor, everything outside that comfort zone, because you're in a stupor and you're comfortable and you're under that blanket and you see the evil in the world and so you snuggle down under that blanket a little bit more. That's like hearing the robber break in and crawling under your blanket thing's going to protect you. Snuggle down a little bit more. It's so bad out there. Let me get in my religion. 
Let me listen to another tape. That's good. You should. But you better get Jesus. You better find him. You better wake up to the fact that he's here. You better wake up to the fact that he won't be here much longer. So you're in a stupor and everything outside that comfort zone is just chalked up to, that's just Pentecostal. That's just emotion. Was that really a healing? I mean, didn't the doctors play a big part in that? Was that really a healing? Was that really a deliverance? Oh, this testimony again. How many times until you wake up? Oh, this testimony again. Oh, but then a stirring will come like Wednesday night. And it wakes you up. Church, if that didn't wake you up Wednesday night, I believe even like Tabernacle should be wide awake right now. I believe you're awake to the supernatural. What am I telling you? Don't snooze it. Don't snooze it today. Don't hit snooze. Don't go back to your comfort zone. Stay out of it. Listen, there's an old saying that life begins where your comfort zone ends. Life begins where your comfort zone ends. So quit sitting there in a state of death every service and stay outside that comfort zone. Stay in that place of worship. Stay in that place of recognizing. Stay in that place where the Holy Spirit can move. Are you trying to dictate how I worship? No. I'm just telling you to worship. I'm just telling you to worship. I don't care how you worship. I'm just asking you to be willing to worship when he comes in the building. Some people, if they ask you, hey, where do you worship? If you told them even like Tabernacle, you'd be lying. Might be where you go to church. Lord, help me move on. Stay alert so that you never fail to miss him moving. It takes a stirring to be pulled from a slumber, and when you're asleep, you don't like a stirring. Nobody does. We don't like to be stirred when we're comfortable. But I say today, Lord, stir us up. Amen. Stir us up a little bit this morning, Lord. Make us aware. Brother Brown says, I feel real good about it anyhow. What this church needs today is a good revival. Not a new doctrine, a new order, just a stirring up of what you already know about. He says, oh, brother, what we need today is an old stirring of the Holy Ghost again. Brother, if it had to come to me before, it had to come to me before God ever manifested himself, we need another rushing mighty wind sent. That's right, as it did on the day of Pentecost. They were all religious, and they were all followers of Jesus, but they had to go and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Is that true? They never done like the Baptists do and shake hands and put their name on the book and say, yes, I'm born again. They didn't have it like that. There's not a scripture as that in the whole Bible. And then the Catholics come out and they stick out their tongue, take the Holy Eucharist and say, we got the Holy Ghost. Ain't no scripture like that in the Bible. We Methodists go on prohibition for six months and there's no such scripture in the Bible for that. And listen, they didn't also just say, well, I recognize John the Baptist was the forerunner. That didn't do it for them either. They didn't say, I recognize that Malachi 4 has come, God sent a prophet. That didn't do it for them either. What did it? The Bible said when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And the power of God so enclosed those people and anointed them till they run out in the street screaming, dancing, hollering, acting like a bunch of drunk people. That's the scripture. That's thus saith the Lord. The Lord. That's how he comes. That's how a stirring happens. That's how he moves. And yet some people just can't recognize it. They can't recognize him. He says what we need today is a stirring. Hallelujah. God shook America with signs and wonders and you're without excuse. The Holy Ghost has been preached. The blind have seen. The dead's been raised up. Thousands of prostitutes and drunkards have been brought to the kingdom of God shouting the victory. That's right. But America looks at it and calls it mental telepathy, psychology, or worked up. 
I'm just asking you, church, not to be into one that, that category. Don't look at it and call it something other than what it is. The moving of the Holy Spirit. Don't look at it and say, well, they just worked them up. They just did it. Look at it and say, thank God you're moving. Thank God you're in our midst. Thank God you're pouring your spirit out. Lord, I want to be next. Lord, pour it out on me. Pour it out on me. Some of us get so caught up in the sealing of the Holy Ghost. And yes, it is a sealer. And if you have it, you are sealed. But you don't just get the Holy Ghost and sit back and go, when you're coming, Lord, that's not what it's all about. But there is refreshings, and there is refillings, and there are works to be done. And he filled you so you could go out in his name, healing the sick, demonstrating the gifts, laying your hands on the sick, preaching the gospel, showing that he is a living God, an ever-present God, and I am God, and he's here today. I'm glad he sealed you. But so many of us are stuck on that first experience instead of coming today going, Lord, I need an experience today. And guess what? I'm coming on Wednesday saying, I need an experience today. Then I'm coming Sunday saying, I need an experience today. I'm looking every day for his presence because I don't want to miss my opportunity in his presence. Oh, don't be that one that can't recognize him when he moves. The eagle stirring her nest. The wind of the Holy Ghost is moving. If we just dare to set our wings into that wind this morning, whoo, I believe we might could catch an up current. I believe if some people were just, they've been earthbound so long. They've been stuck in the chicken pen so long they forgot them wings were. Just start dusting them off a little bit. Start dusting them wings off a little bit. Just try to set those wings this morning to that wind. See if you can't catch an up current. See if you can catch an upcurrent to heavenly places where all things are possible. When you forget about what other people are saying. When you forget about what's going on in the world. When you forget about politics and news and this and COVID and this and whatever. Name whatever it is that's been distracting you. Catching up current this morning. Fly away from those things this morning. I, I'll tell you what. If, that, if I can't get you that high yet, just jump up on the fence post this morning. Come on, just jump up on the fence post of that pen that's got you pinned in. Jump up there. Look, the world put you inside of a pen and said, this is how you got to live. This is the condition you got to live in. This is what you are. These are your problems. This is what you got to eat. This is your sickness. But something about that don't sit right with me because I ain't an earthbound chicken. I am a flying eagle, and I ain't going to be told by the devil. I got to stay in no pen. I ain't going to be told by the devil. I got to stay in no prison. I ain't going to eat his junk. I ain't going to have it shoved down my throat. I'm not going to be walking around bearing his sickness in my body. I was made free. I just jump up on the fence post this morning. Jump up on the fence post this morning. Woo! Just let the wind blow, and all of a sudden you hear an eagle scream. Come up higher. Come up higher. Woo! Let me tell you what. You know the difference. Woo, glory to God. Just jump up on the fence post. Jump up on the fence post and go this morning. Just jump up on the fence post and go this morning. Just let him have his way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I feel good. one more time. I'm healed. I'm healed. I feel good. Woo, I'm having a good time. I can't help it. Listen, jump up on that fence post this morning. You know the difference between that eagle and those chickens? You know that's in the same church service? They heard the exact same message. They heard the exact same eagle scream. 
But there's something different about that eagle. He recognized it for what it was. It was Papa God. It was Papa God talking to him. They's in the same service. Chicken said, what's all that noise? I'm trying to eat my worms. What's all that noise? All that running about and shouting. I can't feed when you're that loud. I can't even hear what the preacher's saying when you get to shouting, when you get to hollering. I'm trying to eat my worms. Why are you so excited? Quit flapping your wings. You're making it dusty in here. I'm sorry to bother you, Mr. Chicken, but I'm getting ready to fly. I'm getting ready to fly. I heard from my father, and he said the devil ain't got a fence high enough to keep me in. He ain't got a fence high enough to keep this bird caged. I'm jumping up on a fence post. I'm setting my wings in that up hurt. I got up on that fence post and I set my wings and I caught an upturn. And then that chicken said, never mind, I didn't hear what he said, I was gone. I didn't hear what the chicken said no more. I was in the heavenlies. I was gathered together with the God's people in heavenly places. I was worshiping. I was praising because I recognized he was in the building. Hallelujah. Listen to a prophet. He says, we need another jump. We got to the barnyard post, but we need to get free so we can just ride on his wings for our first solo flight. Ooh, we just saw a brother take a solo flight. He got off that post. He took him a little flight this morning. What a joy it will be when that great final day comes. Now, this one right here, this one might be hard for some folks. That those who know how to jump and flop their wings, those who know how to do it, someday he's going to come. The great eagle of the sky will come in glory, and we're going to spread forth his great, he will spread forth his great power, the Holy Spirit, and those who are magnetized to it shall take a ride for eternity forever. Those who know how to jump. Those who know how to flap their wings. Those that are free in the spirit. Those who recognize his moving. He's going to come over one day. And it ain't just going to be a jump or a flop, but the wind of the Holy Ghost. I think I hear it now. It sounds like a rushing mighty wind. If somebody would just set their wings to it, all things are possible. Your healing's possible. Your deliverance is possible. Your freedom's possible. Set your wings in the spirit, in the presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. So we preach the supernatural. Back to why do we preach? I just made it back. Why are you always preaching that? That's why. We preach the supernatural. We preach the miraculous. Because where Jesus is, there will always be the supernatural. Satan always attacks it. Tries to bring doubt. Tries to get you to look to the carnal impersonation. Is there carnal impersonation? Absolutely. Janice and Jambres were there. And so many people got caught up on the, what Janice and Jambres did. You know I was just reading in Jewish literature this week that only one out of five uh, Israelites left Egypt in the Exodus. 
one out of five. The others didn't recognize their need for a deliverance. They didn't recognize the supernatural because they said, ah, she's emotional. Now that which is perfect has come. We don't need a... I mean, Moses, your gift ain't that special. Look, these magicians just did it. And they got caught up in those things. And they missed their need for deliverance. They were so comfortable where they were. They stayed in their comfort zone. But his children recognized. His children recognized. Prophet God says many people are great lovers of God. How many here is a lover of God? I believe we all are. Great lovers of God raised up under the church. They believe their church. That's right. They believe God. But as far as the supernatural being operated in a human being today, that's beyond anything they could ever swallow. But that's where the truth is. Amen. That's where the truth is. That's the truth. As God is my supreme judge, that's where the truth lays. I tell you, I'm not criticizing the Baptists. Baptist people, fundamentally, they know what they're talking about as long as it comes to the word, but they know nothing about the supernatural. And my brethren, that's where they're missing the blessing. You miss the blessing when you're not aware of the supernatural or you don't recognize. And we begin to lose touch with that realm when the supernatural isn't preached. When his presence isn't recognized, we end up with dead people, dead pews, dead homes, and a people destined to do nothing but perpetuate the ages. But when a people begin to recognize, oh, he's here. Oh, he's in the building. Oh, my God is ever present. Then you start to see victories. You start to see shouting. You start to see dancing. You start to see Satan tore down. You start to see people overcoming when they recognize who it is, whose presence that they're in. When they're conscious of it, those are a people that's going to take a rapture. They're not destined to perpetuate the ages. They're not destined to go down. They are the group that was seen going up. They are the group that when he lifts, they will lift with them because they've recognized whose presence they are in. So we can't slumber, church. We can't go back to sleep. We've been awakened. Sure, a message awakened us. But we've been awakened by the preaching of the word over and over. And that message is still awakening us. And his presence is still awakening us. And we got to stay awake. Don't make the alarm clock keep going. Beep, 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 beep. Just get up. He's here. He's telling you to rise and shine. He's telling you thy light has come. He's telling you thy healing has come. Thy salvation has come. Thy rapture has come. He's telling you and we can't go back to sleep. We got to keep expecting. Why did that outbreak happen in Oklahoma last week? Because a group of young people gathered expecting it to happen. They went knowing what was going to You should have heard them talking. No, they couldn't wait. They knew God was going to move. They knew they were going to be delivered. They knew the gifts were going to be displayed. They knew he was going to move. And what happened? He never disappoints. He always shows up exactly where he's invited. And he usually goes above and beyond what you even expect. So they received one of the most greatest outpourings, the most wonderful youth camps. It was phenomenal. I would watch it and just weep watching those people get delivered and the freedom in the spirit. It was incredible. How did it happen Wednesday night? Look, there was people that were supposed to be leaving going to Oklahoma on Wednesday for, for the wedding, and they all decided, oh, we'll wait and leave Thursday because they knew something was going to happen. There was expectations of what was going to take place. And when we come with those expectations, looking for his presence, recognizing his presence, then you don't miss it when those things take place. You don't miss it when he begins to move. You don't miss your blessing. People came expecting God to move. Don't miss it when he moves. Look at blind Bartimaeus. We read about him at the beginning. How is it that we can see so much, that we can witness so much and yet miss him when he moves? 
And yet blind Bartimaeus sitting there, prophet tells all about it, how he had already made it past him. And he thought, oh, no, I missed him. But then he thought, if that's the son of David, he'll hear me. He'll hear me. And so Bartimaeus begins to cry out. And it says, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And this is my favorite part of the whole thing, if you know the truth. And many charged him that she, he should hold his peace. But he cried out the more a great deal. Y'all just need to sit down up an evening like Tabernacle. Y'all getting too emotional at evening like Tabernacle. Woo! You ain't seen nothing yet. Just try to sit me down. Just try to stop my praise. Just try to stop me from worshiping. I'm going to cry out all the more. Now, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, son of David, we need you. We accept you. We recognize you. Oh, Lord Jesus, move in our midst. You're getting a little bit loud. I can get louder. Move in this place today. Cry out all the more. Oh, and what happened when he cried out? He says, Jesus stood still. Oh, somebody could stop him in his tracks this morning. Somebody could just get him to stop. And then they said, be of good cheer. He calleth you. Be of good cheer, Evening Light Tabernacle. Not only is he here, he's calling your name this morning. Not only is he here, he's saying, what do you have need of? What wilt thou that I do unto thee? I take it right now on my lips and I speak it. Lord, this is what I need today. This is what I need you to do. I would take the opportunity in his presence to say, Lord, this is what I need right now. Because he stopped for a moment. He stopped for a moment. Which way is he going to go? To those that are calling out to him. To those that are recognizing who he is. He's stopping for just a moment. Oh, how did the blind man recognize him? Others had seen the miracles. Others had witnessed what he's done. And yet they were still critical in his presence. Mind reader, soothsayer, Beelzebub, deceiver. They're calling out, but one in the midst of all that says, Son of David, Son of David. All y'all are emotional, just caught up in emotions. Somebody's going to say, oh, son of David, come by my way. They were critical in his presence. They wanted to quiet down the service a little bit. They showed up every Sunday, every Wednesday. They knew the message. They knew the prophecies. They'd seen the miracles. But they still weren't a fan of all that shouting. They still weren't a fan of all that dancing. They still questioned whether that was God or just an emotional girl caught up for just a minute. They still chalked up that dancing and that praising to that personality. Well, that's just her person. Let me ask you, who's really blind? Who was the blind one there on that road? It wasn't Bartimaeus. Oh, it wasn't Bartimaeus. He recognized. He saw. He recognized in that moment. Who's the blind one in a church service? When he moves and he speaks and there's deliverance and there's joy. Who's the blind one? Who's the blind one sitting there? The one who threw rotten vegetables at Jesus, called him Beelzebub, or the one who recognized he was passing by? The one who recognized the lateness of the hour? The one who recognized this might be my last chance? Can't you see who's passing by this moment? Can't you see who's in the building right now amongst us? 
How many people throughout the Bible were in Jesus' presence and yet never recognized it? Never, or maybe they recognized it and yet never recognized their need of him. Look, there's deliverance, there's healing, there's salvation, there's victory, there's everything you have need of in this building right now, today, but you got to recognize it's here, and then you got to recognize you need it. You can recognize it's here, but if you don't recognize your need of it, it's not going to do you any good. you got to humble yourself to recognize your need. Look, you can't just come to church fulfilling a duty. This is what we do. We go to church Sunday. We go to church Wednesday. Because when it becomes a duty, then you fail to see it as an opportunity. You fail to see it as an opportunity. Look, I'm just going to be honest. I don't wake up on Monday morning and go, Woo, I have an opportunity to go to work today. Maybe I should. A good job's a blessing. I get that. But I'm just being honest. But how many of us wake up on Sunday morning feeling the same way we do about going to work on Monday morning? Well, we've got to go to church today. No, you don't got to go to church today. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to be in the presence of the creator of all things, the one who created your soul and died for you and heals the blind and heals your sickness. And say, This is an opportunity. It can't become a duty. It can't be, oh, we got to... Because then you fail to come with proper expectations. Look, I come to church expecting wonderful things. I don't ever wake up and go to work and go, this is going to be the best day ever. But I do feel that way when I come to church. Because I know whose presence I'm fixing to walk into. I know what is fixing to happen, not what might happen, what's fixing to happen. Because where he is, the supernatural is present. I'm not talking about believing he's present and believing the supernatural when you actually see it. I'm talking about coming to church with no doubt we're going to see God move today. We're going to see God move today. I'm talking about showing up on Wednesday nights with the same expectation you show up at our Easter meetings for. Show up Wednesday night with the same expectation. I've heard a lot and I'm with you. Can't wait till Easter. Can't wait till Easter. I can't wait till right now. I can't wait for this moment right now because he's here. And then I can't wait for Wednesday. And I can't wait for Sunday. And I can't wait to gather with his people in his presence. And then when I get to Easter, it's going to be amazing. But it's amazing right now in his presence. How do we come to church? I come to church saying, he's going to be there. He's going to be there. I get to worship him. I get to praise him. I have needs that will be met. It's going to be wonderful today in his presence. It's going to be amazing in his presence. But when it's just our duty, kids, get ready. If we leave now, we can get there before the song service ends. Yeah, no hurry. It's a duty. It's become a duty. It's just become a religion. We become so focused on our duty that we're actually missing. Brother Branham talks about a courier that brought the message to Jesus to tell him he was invited to the Pharisee's house. He said that runner was just doing his duty. It was nothing more to him. It wasn't seen as an opportunity to him. He came to service because he was told to. He was in the very presence of Jesus. Church, he had an audience with the Savior. He says, people are not conscious of it. They see the scriptures exactly identified, but they're not conscious of who it is. They'll see something and say, oh, that was wonderful. That was fine. But you're not conscious of what it is. If there was, if, if, if there would be a, if you were, there would be a repentance going on. Weeping and crying. And we pass by many times and miss the opportunity by not being conscious. I don't think the boy realized. And he just throwed it off. 
That wasn't nothing but just an ordinary message that he had to deliver. He just sat there, and he was in his presence, and that was all it was to him. It didn't mean nothing to him. But if he had been conscious, if that boy could rise from the dead today and sit in this meeting this week, he'd have done something about it. He'd have a testimony that would have shook us all, but he wasn't conscious. So many times we don't do that. We don't accept the opportunity. This courier delivered the message and in the presence of the Lord Jesus and yet was just stupid enough, if I must say it, to turn away and think that he had done all that was necessary. What an opportunity God gave that man, that poor, miserable man. I wish I could have stood there. I'd have fallen down at his feet the first thing before I said anything about what the cardinal wanted. I'd have said, Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. That would have been the first thing in my life, knowing that he was life, and the only resource to God was through him. Oh, I think that ought to be the sole duty of every man and woman that attends these meetings, regardless of what somebody else said. You've been brought into the presence of Christ. No matter how successful or unsuccessful, no matter how great or how poor, no matter what you are, at the first opportunity, fall at his feet and say, Lord, be merciful to me. This most miserable man, how he would look at him this morning, how we would look at him this morning if we could pull back the curtain and see that it was continually his attitude to turn from the presence of Christ when he'd had the opportunity to stand by him. What a miserable person that is yet today. Because he lives somewhere, and it might be you, and it might be I after this meeting. It depends on our attitude when we're in his presence. But he turned his back upon the Lord and walked away feeling relief, satisfied that he had done what he was told to do. How many times do we leave from a Sunday service feeling satisfied because we did what we were supposed to do? Leave from a Wednesday night satisfied because we did what we were supposed to do. And yet Brother Branham says if that boy could come back today, what a different testimony he'd have. How many times have we had the opportunity to have a different testimony? How many times should we have cried out in his presence, but it was just another day at church? Brother Branham says, friends, I'm afraid you're not conscious of what's going on. The very God of eternity, the God who made the heavens and earth, the God that was upon our Lord Jesus, brought him from the dead, anointed him, and he went about doing good, is here in this auditorium in Jeffersonville, Indiana tonight. He's here now. He says, I'm afraid you're not conscious of it. Church, we've got to be conscious. We must be aware of our need from him. You must be conscious of your need for him. That, that wells up even now that you have to recognize your need because your recognition of your need is what will cause you to cry out as he passes by. Your response, now listen to this. Your response when his presence is in the building tells how much you think you need him. Your response when he is in the building shows how much you think you need him. Look, you can know he's great, you can know he's present, but if you're comfortable sitting right where you're at, you're going to watch as nothing more than a spectator as he moves through the building. And if you recognize he's in the building and you don't cry out to him, you identify yourself as a Laodicean who says, I don't have a need of you. Because you see him moving, and you sit there and watch. I don't have need of you today, Lord. Thank you for blessing them. Thank you for meeting them. Why aren't you crying out? I guess I don't need nothing. Really? In his presence? I have need of nothing? 
you must recognize your need. We all have need of him. On the best day, I need him. On the worst day, I need him. I need him every single day. We all have need of him. Look, the woman with the blood issue recognized she had need of him. She had tried everything else. She had spent her money. She had been to physicians. She was aware that no one else could help her. She had tried everything. But she came to church that day with the right attitude. She came to church that day saying, I'm going to touch him. I'm going to recognize his presence. It doesn't matter what anybody else does today. I'm going to touch him. I don't care if you worship today. I'm going to touch him. I don't care if you worship. I'm going to touch him. I don't care how the song service goes. I'm going to touch him. I don't care if it's the worst specials we've ever had. I'm going to touch him. I don't care if it's the best specials we've ever had. I don't care if it's the worst sermon, best sermon. I'm going to church to touch the Jesus Christ. I'm going to church to touch my Savior. I'm going to touch him. Everything told her not to do it. Circumstances told her not to do it. They tried to constrain her, but she didn't care. She went with the attitude, I must touch Jesus. I must recognize in his presence. I recognize he's my healer and I've got to get to him. That's got to be her attitude. That's, it. That's what the kids in Oklahoma last week recognized. They recognized. They recognized what was going on. They recognized the king of kings was in the building. What was all that jumping, shouting, praising? They recognized. Their attitude was, I must be set free. I must be loose. I must have him. Oh, they were that blind Bartimaeus. They were the woman with the blood issue. They was the woman at the well. And they said, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, go ahead and put him in the corner. I know a group of young people that will worship him. Go ahead and sit down on your hands. I know a group of young people that ain't scared to praise the king of kings when he comes into a building. They've been set free and they've recognized his presence. And no matter what happens from this day forward, you'll never be able to tell them that God's not real. You'll never be able to tell them that the Holy Spirit don't move. You'll never be able to take that away from them. They experienced it for themselves. Well, they're young, Brother Aaron. You know that's actually the hardest time to break out? We put that on them as if it, that makes it easier for them to do. Oh, well, they're young people. It's way harder as a young person than as an adult. It's not even comparable. There's never a time in your life when you're more self-conscious and more worried about what people think than when you're a young person. But they didn't care. They pushed through. Seems like maybe as young people, they're a little bit less jaded than as adults. Their minds maybe have a little bit less skepticism. Maybe they've taken in less scars. I don't know. They seem to be less critical. I know that. Some of the most critical people I've ever been around is people that's been around the longest. So, okay. So busy picking everything apart. So worried about how everybody else is living, what everybody else is doing. Got no grace for nobody. So quick to pick apart the ministry for every little flaw and every little failure. Or pick apart a young person just because they ain't doing everything to an exact T like you think they ought to. We'll see. It was just emotion. They stumbled. They messed up. It was just emotion. If they really got something, they wouldn't be doing that. Well, look, look maybe they didn't get everything they needed. But what happened was they recognized his presence and they weren't going to miss an opportunity to praise him. They weren't going to miss an opportunity to shout. They weren't going to miss an opportunity to cry out to him. You said it's just emotion. Well, a doctor told that to Brother Branham one time, and he said, Billy, don't you think them people, them Pentecostal people, is just excited? I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, well, what makes them? That's just nervousness because they scream and holler and go on. I said, doctor, you mean to tell me that the nerves can get excited without something to excite them? 
You mean the nerves can get excited without something to excite them? Something has to excite them. So what's there? I said it's the unseen force of the Holy Ghost moving amongst us. It excites that born-again spirit. The unseen force of the Holy Ghost moving amongst us excites that unseen spirit. He said it brings excitement. And in that same moment, while you're sitting there criticizing everybody and everything and wondering if that's even real or if she just got excited again, he passed by you and you missed it. In your moment of criticism, you missed your opportunity. And then you go home from church. I don't even see what all the fuss was about. I don't even like that kid anyway. I don't think he's a very good example to our young people. And now your family conversation is all about the failures of everybody else. And you done got to the point you don't recognize your need and what a visitation from the angel would do for your family. And you are unconscious. Sorry. Get your eyes off of others and get them back on him. Get your eyes off of others and get them back on him. They are not your Holy Ghost. They are not what's going to save you. He is. Let them deal with them and you deal with you and me deal with me and we'll all pull together. <laughs> I believe that we who have been given so many opportunities will be held accountable for our attitude in church services. Our attitudes in his presence and our attitudes towards others who did recognize his presence. Recognize him this morning. Look, I don't care if you've been critical. He's here for you too. I'm not putting you out. I'm just saying wake up. Wake up. The alarm's going off. Time to wake up and realize he's here. And when you realize he's here, what everybody else is doing no longer matters to you. When you realize he's here, how everybody else is acting no, no longer matters to you. Where he is, there is freedom. Where he is, there is victory. Listen, Brother Heron, I'm having a hard time seeing him. I'm having a hard time recognizing him. Where is he? Get your eyes back on the promise. Get your eyes off the wind and the waves, and you'll see he's right there at the front. He's right there at the front leading the charge. He never left us. He never forsook us. He's been there all along. And he's right there at the front with the sword drawn. And therefore, we will win this battle. What battle? Whatever battle you're in. That battle with depression. That battle with anxiety. That battle for your son. That battle for your prodigal. That battle for your salvation. That battle for the Holy Ghost. That battle for a rapture. We are going to win because we've recognized his presence is in the building. We've recognized he's here. And we will be victorious. We are winners. Why are you winners? Because I've recognized that he's here this morning. I've recognized it. You can stay standing. You can all stand. We're about to bring this to a close. He's here, and we must be conscious of it. Don't let this church go back into a stupor where we fear cancer. Don't let this, stupor, this church go back into a stupor where we're unaware of the supernatural. Remain conscious. The world's trying to put you back to sleep, and I'm saying remain conscious. May, no, no, tries to make you forget how great your God is. What was Israel's sin? Every time they came up against a new challenge, they would fear it and forget the victories that was behind them. They would forget that the pillar of fire was in the camp. Who cares what's right outside the camp? He's going before us. The pillar of fire is in the camp. And they would deem their current situation greater than the God that was with them. They would go back into a stupor. They became more focused on the Red Sea than the pillar of fire. More focused on the lack of food than on the pillar of fire. More focused on the lack of water than on the pillar of fire. 
And here we are. We become so aware of, of, of the problems more so than the solution. More aware of evil than good. More focused on politics than on the message. Have we forgotten that the pillar of fire is in the camp today, church? The pillar of fire is amongst us. Quit elevating your enemy to the status of God in your life. Quit elevating your problem to the status of God in your life. It is not your master. It is not your God. You are not. But my case is different, Brother Aaron. My case, my cancer, my depression. Would you quit calling it yours? It ain't a puppy. Quit petting that thing, my cancer, my this, my that. No, start turning that around. My Jesus, my God, my healer, my savior, my deliverer. He is mine. He is my everything. That is not my cancer. That is not who I am. He tried to label me. He tried to give me a name of depression. He tried to give me a name of anxiety. He tried to give you a name of cancer. He tried to give that man the name of legion. That wasn't his name. That wasn't his name. You are a son and a daughter of the almighty living. God. Don't recognize that anymore. That's not your cancer. That's not your depression. That is not your anxiety. This is your freedom. This is your God. And he is here in the building this morning. He is here. So give him praise. Give him worship. Recognize he's here. Do not let your opportunity pass him by. Don't let him pass you by. Oh, don't let him pass you by today, church. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, he promised a refreshing. That's what Wednesday night was, Brother Joe, a refreshing. He promised a refreshing in the presence. But you got to recognize that presence when it comes. Satan fights that. He don't want you to have a refreshing. Because when you're refreshed, you're a better runner. When you're refreshed, you're a better fighter. When you're refreshed, you're a better soldier. When you're refreshed, you're more focused on your goal. So he's trying to keep you from your refreshing, keep you from recognizing. Look, for most of you, this isn't about saving. You're Christians. Most of you have received your salvation. I believe you're Christians, but it's about being victorious. It's about being overcomers. It's about walking in the supernatural, realizing his presence, receiving every opportunity that he has given you and being all that you can be. It's about being refreshed each and every day for the battle, having your need met in the services, being charged, running into the battle with your sword drawn. It's about fighting these final steps. Church, we're there. That's not time to put your sword back in the sheath. We need a refreshing. We need to refresh and we need to draw our sword and go to fight for our family, fight for our loved ones, fight for our health, fight for our friends. If I ask for hands, how many would say there's some out there I need to fight for? There's people I need to fight for. We need to see these pews full. We need to see these altars full. I need a refreshing myself so I can fight for them. I must recognize your presence in this building today, Lord, so I can fight the way you called me to fight. It's about being victorious because we recognize that the captain of the Lord's host, the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, is leading this charge. He is present. He is I am. Oh, Satan wants to keep you from your refreshing, Brother Joe. He wants to keep you from refreshing, Brother William. Listen, he couldn't keep Lazarus in the tomb. He couldn't keep Israel in bondage. He couldn't keep, let the sun go down when Joshua wanted to stop it. 
He couldn't keep Jesus in the tomb. He couldn't keep the Holy Ghost from falling. He couldn't have Daniel destroyed in the lion's den. So I don't care what he doesn't want you to get this morning. If my God said you can have a refreshing in the presence of the Lord, then be refreshed in the presence of the Lord. He can't stop it. He can't stop it. When I look back at who he is and what he has done and what he has provided, oh, he provided a ram for Abraham. He provided a road through the middle of the ocean. He raised the dead. He healed the blind. Satan, just try to stop this healing. Just try to stop this deliverance. Just try to stop this church. Just try to stop this rapture. You ain't got enough. Hallelujah. He can't stop your times of refreshing. He ain't got enough. Sister Jessica, will you come sing forth? Awake. He's here. Awake. He's going to be with you in the morning. Be aware. Don't miss your opportunity. So many examples down through the scripture that I couldn't even get to. Didn't have the time. I'm going to let Sister Jessica sing about one of them. Recognize your opportunity in his presence.
There's joy in the presence. Joy in the presence. So much joy. Joy in the presence. Oh, there's joy in the presence of the Lord. And there is joy in the presence. Oh, there's joy in the presence. Joy in the presence. Amen. Why don't we sing there's healing in the presence of the Lord?